Good morning. As, as indicated, we have two Bible readings this morning, the first being from the Psalms, Psalm 107. That's going to be the setting for the New Testament reading. And since it's the, just a section of the Psalm, I thought I'd just quickly read the first introduction, which gives you the, the context for the passages that uh, we're going to read this morning. The psalm begins, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those who redeemed from the hand of the foe, those who gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. And then one of those groups become the merchants of the sea, the maritime community. And uh, if you've been in uh, storms at sea, you'll know it's pretty scary stuff. Verse 23, others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The, wee, the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. And then we turn to Matthew's gospel, my Mark's gospel. There we are, Mark's gospel, chapter 4. We read the event in Jesus' life, Jesus calming the storm. So immediately you see the connection to the two passages. That day when evening came, he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So far the reading of God's word to us this morning. Another thing that we cherish uh, as a church is is God's Word, the Bible, and we have an opportunity now for myself to 
to preach from God's Word and explore what it means for us today. We believe as a church that God's Word is, is living and active, something that shows us ultimately Jesus and the Gospel. So allow me to pray as we head into that now. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your word. We thank you that, uh, as we've just read, uh, you were more than a man. You were a man, but you were also God, God in flesh. And Father, as we explore this passage this morning, I pray that uh, your spirit might be at work amongst us. Help us to understand your grace more deeply. And perhaps even experience it for the first time as we encounter you in our hearts as the Lord of over creation and all that you've made. For you've made us too. And you've called us to walk, uh, walk in your ways and to submit to you as our King. Father, I pray that we might uh, experience you through your word now. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I'll be mainly focusing on that uh, passage from Mark. But as Ross so clearly, helpfully showed, that Jesus really fulfilled that psalm as he uh, went about uh, that time in the boat with his disciples. Uh, The Gospel of Mark is really a great uh, gospel that gives us great insight into discipleship. You could call it Discipleship 101. And one of the overarching questions that we see in the Gospel of Mark is this. Who is Jesus? And we certainly even see that come through in our passage that we've read today. And perhaps second to this is this. If Jesus is who he says he is, then what are we called to as his disciples? What kind of response are we called to give Jesus? And how are we to show that in our life? Uh, With this in mind and in light of the profession of faith that we've witnessed this morning, we have an opportunity to explore one aspect of our walk with Jesus. And that is, how are God's people called to respond when storms come our way? Uh, You might have heard the saying before, when you're winning, you're grinning. Whether it's coming first place on the sports field, landing that job that you always wanted, or maybe losing those few extra kilos that you finally lost, that you've struggled to, and you finally achieved that. When you and I are succeeding in life, I think it's safe to say we can easily feel kind of on top of the world. And from an earthly perspective, Australian life and culture really does offer so much to us to do justice, to flourish, to excel in life from an earthly perspective. But despite how good Australian life is and culture is, or at least promises to be, it isn't always the case. Storms still come our way. Sometimes these storms are actually not all that terrible in and of themselves. Sorry. Maybe I'll keep going. (laughs) It's always one, isn't it? (laughs) I've done it before as well. 
So sometimes these storms that we face uh, aren't not actually all that bad. Perhaps it feels like a bit of uh, light rain and a few gusts of wind on an overcast day. But at other times, these storms can feel much more like a cyclone that crashes into our lives and rocks us to the very core of our beings. A sudden car crash. An unexpected medical diagnosis. The passing away of a loved one. Or a sudden COVID lockdown. Whatever it is, when immense challenges come, they knock you and I for six and sap us of all life and vitality. Leaving us feeling fearful. Perhaps fearing the future of what might happen next. Or even fearing the consequences of what has already happened to you. So the question for us this morning is this. Where do you turn to when life isn't going so well? When a storm comes your way? When you're neither winning nor grinning? In our passage this morning, uh, the disciples really faced a storm of their own. And through their experiences, we can learn how to face storms in life. But more than that, actually, we have the opportunity to understand what God might be trying to teach us in and through our storms. And so with that in mind, the first thing that I'd like to explore with you this morning is this. Fearing the storm sent by God. Fearing the storm sent by God. What we learn from our passage this morning is the importance of understanding and coming to a place of trust in the providence of God. At this point in our narrative in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus and his disciples had really just finished a long day of teaching. Jesus was with a large crowd of people teaching many parables about the kingdom of heaven by the Sea of Galilee. The crowds that were gathering around Jesus were large enough and desperate enough to get close to Jesus that Jesus had his disciples prepare a boat for him so he could stand by the seashore in the boat. From the boat then, Jesus would speak to the crowds, presumably all day long. It would have been an exhausting day. And so as evening came, Jesus commands his disciples to set sail to the other side of the sea. Exhausted and tired, Jesus curled up on a cushion and fell fast asleep. And it was there out at sea that a great storm brewed and came their way. As the winds got stronger and stronger, the waves got bigger and bigger, the boats began taking on water. Understandably, the disciples were in a bit of a panic. Seasoned fishermen suddenly found themselves out of their depth. And right here, we already we see a lesson for us about our own walk with the Lord and what it means to walk as his disciple. And it's the truth that Jesus doesn't promise his disciples a carefree life. Some might imagine that if you come to Jesus, he will solve all your problems. 
that if you believe in God or believe enough in him, you shouldn't face earthly troubles. Or if you do, he will deliver you from them all. Besides, you might think, isn't that kind of what our passage is teaching? Isn't Jesus just about to calm the storm? Doesn't that mean the same for us then? If we come to him, won't he take away our earthly troubles? Well, actually, in the light of eternity and the eternal life that he promises his followers, it is actually true in that sense, where he promises an eternal life with God and a new heaven and a new earth where all trouble will certainly be taken away, all storms quieted. But our passage this morning isn't teaching us that in this life that will always be the case. Let's not forget that only a few chapters later in Mark chapter 8, Jesus says that if you want to be his disciple, you must be willing to pick up your cross. What he means by that is you must be willing to suffer if God calls you to that. Then indeed we've got to be willing to suffer for our faith. Instead, Scripture consistently teaches us that we shouldn't be surprised when hardships come our way. Like the disciples, you and I will face storms. Even with some hardships coming our way because of our faith in Jesus. But what God does promise is to be our Emmanuel. God with us in our hardships. With their boats quickly filling with water, their fear levels steadily rising. The disciples in a panic and flurry abruptly wake up Jesus and cry out, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I wonder if you have ever found yourself in a fearful flurry like this before. Such moments are terrible experiences purely from a human perspective. When your world suddenly crashes in around you and you are at your wits end. But even here, God is at work in our life for all the lives of his people. For starters, often such times are actually an opportunity for us to be exposed for who we really are deep down. Oftentimes like this can bring out the worst in us, revealing how we perhaps are relying on our own strength or in how we may be sinners in various ways. Criminal investigators, uh, when considering the crimes of people, sometimes note that someone acted out of character when they committed a certain crime, noting that it's not something that they would normally do under normal circumstances. Instead, it was the unique set of circumstances, perhaps the high stresses involved, that brought them to committing that crime. And yet from God's perspective, you could equally say that person that in many ways they kind of showed their true colours in that situation. In another sense, you could say that it was shown most clearly in that moment that they acted in character. In how it revealed what humanity is truly capable of when we're pushed to the limits. And that the sin that is in our hearts that was always there but we attempt to hide away in, from plain sight. 
I was particularly struck by this uh, during the Melbourne lockdown last year when uh, during some of those lockdowns, at one particular moment, uh, a, a guillotine was brought out with a figure of Dan Andrews on it, expressing the supreme hate that the people had towards their Premier. Now that was quite a shocking scene in many ways. It shows how when people were pushed to the limits, what people were capable of feeling and expressing. What we really are. I mean, these were everyday Australians like you and I. It could have happened here in Perth if a lockdown was that long. And so for the disciples in our passage, what did it reveal to them, of them? It revealed how much they still distrusted Jesus. How much they still needed to grow in their faith. And in many ways, for us too, we can learn in times of hardship, in storms that come our way. For it often seems that it is the hard times that the Christian grows most in their faith. Such moments, however, can drive us to despair. Feeling like the world is against us, that God is against us, and that he doesn't really care. Like the disciples, we can feel like Jesus is sleeping at the wheel and not really paying attention to our cries for help. The question that the disciples asked could easily be our own question. Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? Such times calls you and I to remember the providence of God that all things truly are in God's hands. That Jesus was the one who actually commanded them to cross that sea in the first place and face that storm. And that God has a purpose for, for the good of his people for every storm that he sends our way, even if we don't fully understand in the moment. So Georgia, Jamie... Devon and Oliver, today you've expressed your faith in Jesus and that you will trust him and walk with him in both the good times and the bad. Whether they be struggles perhaps with wanting to, in the future, living out your faith in an increasingly secular culture or whatever trials that may come your way, Whatever trials that may providentially come your way, the call is for you to trust in the providence of God. Remember that Jesus will never leave or forsake you and that these moments of trial don't mean that God doesn't love or care for you, but that he is working through them for your good. A lesson that each and every one of us need to hear today. So that's the the fearsome storm, the storm that God truly does send our way. Next, our passage calls us to consider this. Fearing God who overcomes the storm. It's here we learn the startling truth that God overcomes our earthly fears by displacing it with an even greater, more profound, more joyous fear. I mean, what happens next in our 
few verses is something that you might think comes straight out of a Marvel studio movie scene, but without the special suit or Superman clothes. From verse 39, And he, he, Jesus, awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? With a word, Jesus calms the storm and the disciples are left speechless with their jaws hanging to the ground. The very human Jesus revealed for a moment his very divine nature. With the sign of this miracle revealing yet again who Jesus really was. Being the Son of God who come down from heaven, dwelling amongst his people. Emmanuel, God with us. The contrast in our passage between the fear of the disciples that they had of the storm and the calm, supreme power of Jesus could not be more stark. Right in their moment of distress and of need, Jesus brings forth a great deliverance and reveals his greatness to them. This reveals a pattern in how God often acts in our own lives. It's often in the moments when we feel most helpless, most fearful, most sinful, most unable in and of ourselves to succeed and overcome a storm, that God chooses to reveal himself and his grace to us. Whether it's for the first time experiencing his grace and coming to an understanding of the gospel, if you're not yet a believer, or perhaps if you are a believer, God using a particular storm to draw you to himself, to show his grace to you more deeply, his wonderful character. In this way, not only do storms bring out the worst in us, but they bring out the best in God. What was the result of this miracle for the disciples? It says that they were filled with great fear of Jesus, having their fear directed away from the storm and directed towards the one who overcame the storm. This reveals a great truth regarding the object of our fear and what it ought to be. As terrible as trials and storms in this life can be, we need to recognize that as we consider the Bible as a whole and the message of the gospel, that there is a greater storm looming in the horizon that's heading towards humanity. The deepest and the darkest and the blackest storm that could ever exist. That is the storm of God's coming wrath against sinners. In Matthew 10.28, Jesus himself says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
Scripture is clear that there is a day coming, the coming day of the Lord, when God will finally call all to account for their sin and rebellion against Him. And being the righteous, just judge and God that He is, it is only right for humanity to receive God's judgment. In the present age of tolerance and easy come, easy go, convenient love, the truth of God's wrath is, is something that, that seems abhorrent and, and is something that really grates a nerve. And that, that is understandable in many ways, but, but true love is warning others of this coming day and pointing others to the only way of escape, to Jesus himself. For it is only through Jesus that we can be saved from this bigger and greater storm. In John 14, Jesus says and declares, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why is this so? Well, through Jesus, God shows the best of Himself by overcoming this darkest of storms for us. For on the cross, Jesus submitted Himself to suffer for our sake. The cross was the one storm that Jesus didn't say, be still and peace towards. Rather, he received uh, God's judgment against him. He allowed that storm of God's wrath to overcome him in our place. In this way, pushed to the limits The cross brought out the best of Jesus rather than the worst, being that perfect, sinless man that he was. Even in his desperation, he acted on the cross, went to the cross for you and I out of love so that we would not face that storm for, for yourself if you believe. For that was the only way for true peace and forgiveness of sins to come to humanity. For the penalty of sin had to be paid in full. And having God's wrath exhausted upon himself, Jesus, three days later, rose again victorious. Having overcome and paid that penalty of sin and delivering all who believe in him from eternal judgment. Now in Christ, believers need not have a dreadful fear of God because of sin and God's anger towards our sin. Instead, this fear is replaced by a a joyous fear as we tremble before Him with great joy. This joyous fear is something that, quite frankly, Jesus' disciples before the cross really struggled to properly perceive and experience. But after Jesus' resurrection through the Holy Spirit, his disciples began to understand it in a more tangible way. We see this in Matthew 28 verse 8, where the two Marys, after uh, coming to the tomb and seeing the empty tomb of Jesus, says this, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Georgia, Jamie, Devon, and Oliver, in moments of trial and fear, 
in the future, when things are difficult for you in your faith, will you remember the love of your Saviour, Jesus? That on the cross, He's already won the greatest victory for us in conquering death for us. Understanding that what you have in Jesus is the most precious and joyous thing. And that even when earthly storms trouble you, knowing that one day even those will be taken away from you when we spend eternal life with Him. So how do you and I then grow in this joyous fear of the Lord? How do we face storms in this life with courage and perseverance? Well, Jesus' final question to his disciples in our passage reveals the answer for us. When he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Faith. Scripture calls Jesus' disciples to walk by faith. For the believer then, in our storms and trials, Jesus calls us to exercise the gift of faith already given to us. To in faith reach out to Him and believe in His providence in all situations. Knowing God holds you in His hands and will bring good to your soul through those circumstances. In faith, consider the joyous fear of the Lord, even finding joy in Him, despite what earthly fears and troubles you are experiencing. Knowing that God loves you deeply and grants His people a peace that is from Him, that is beyond human understanding. In faith, look to the cross, knowing that to all storms and to the ultimate storm of God's wrath, Jesus has already said, Peace, be still. For us, having secured eternal salvation for you in him and a place in his father's house and his kingdom for you. If you are not yet a believer today, the call of the gospel is for you to have faith in Jesus, to respond to his offer of salvation, to consider what answer you will provide to the same question that his disciples said. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Do you see Jesus as the Son of God, who does take away the sins of the world? Will you cast your lot in with him, and in faith be willing to accept him as your Lord and Saviour? If you do that, he really will be with you in every storm. And he will give you a fearful joy in knowing him. A joy and inner peace that the world cannot offer or provide. So will you come? Will you come to him? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in 1 Peter chapter 4, it says there, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And Father, when we consider that verse, uh, we confess that when storms come our way, so often we, we actually are surprised. 
we suddenly find ourselves in a flurry, a panic, being fearful of, of what's, what is happening or what may happen. Father, we confess that in those times, uh, we often are exposed for who we really are as people who still have so much to grow in our faith. Or perhaps people who never have come to you before and, and seen our need for you and the grace that you offer. Father, we want to confess that uh, in those times we, we need your help to turn to you. And we want to thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus in, in calming the greatest storm that ever exists. Father, that on the cross you went to extreme lengths to die for us and to save us. That out of love you were willing to suffer and, and, and pay the penalty that, that we deserve. Father, help us not just to come to you um, out of wanting your benefits of, of taking away earthly storms, but help us, help us come to you because we get to know you that we get to experience a new relationship with you, that we won't grow cold in our understanding of grace, that, that we can know that your love is for us and that your Holy Spirit would fill us with that love this day, that we may experience your peace in all circumstances, wherever we are, Lord, and we confess that you need to provide that for us. We, we can't... Uh, experience that without your help and and that is indeed something you promised to give us and father we pray that as we head out from here that you might fill us with a, a joyful fear of you that others would see that that we love you and that your work is so evident in our life that others will see that we have something that that is different something that is attractive something that is only from you and Jesus, I pray for anyone amongst us who, who doesn't believe in you, that, that is perhaps hearing the gospel for the first time or has heard it before, but perhaps might strike them in a new way today. I, I pray, Father, that your spirit would work in them, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you'd graciously show the amazing love that you have for them through Jesus. Praise in your name. Amen.